This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, as I was just speaking to the children this morning, and having that conversation, what I want you to think of is of this gavel and think about the next few minutes that we spend together uh, indeed could be viewed in this way. Court is in session. If you look at Luke 2, and I want you to go there, Luke 2, as it reads for us from verse 22 to 40, <laughs> it's laws, lots and lots of laws. Now, you might just say, oh, no, it's a beautiful story. It's Jesus' story where there's lots of things happening behind the scenes that probably you've glossed over because that's just not how you live. Now, how many of you have ever driven in a car? See, I can normally get you all together with me on that. Okay, now, in your driving a car, how many of you have ever heard that terrible, most terrible of sounds? Why are you all laughing about the same sound that you probably know what I'm alluding to? Whoop, whoop. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, there's, there's, car, there's several odd sounds, uh, and if the other sound is a, a car crunching and others, the whoop, whoop sound's coming soon anyway, uh, so don't worry, it'll get there. But you hear that ambulance, you hear that fire truck, you hear that, uh, and you have one job. Do you know what that job is? You have to move out of the way. You actually have to get over, and if you get over and stop impeding the flow of traffic, you actually then are allowing what? You are allowing a first responder to get there. That actually is a actually a law. You know, it's one of the least enforced laws because the first responder never has a chance to get to the person who didn't do it. Uh, but sometimes they do. Like the day I was in a ride along with my brother and he was there and he got out in front and other people had arrived to the scene and a woman in front of him with his full lights and sirens blaring stayed at the intersection with a police car directly behind her and didn't move. So my brother radioed ahead to someone else and said, pull her over. I will get her. <laughs> so she's just sitting there. The one officer, the accident was already tended to, just pointed. goes like this. He goes, we'll take care of this. Um, if you wonder what police officers are at heart, they're just wonderful, kind people. Uh, he gets her driver's license and is looking at it and then asks me what I'm doing in college and am I having fun. So if you wonder what the police officer is doing and taking so long, he may just be speaking to his younger brother. And they may just be talking about, like, what happened that semester in college. So that, that's possible. I'm not saying that's always the case. But law-abiding... So this person gets pulled over. Well, in we go to Luke 2. We're not pulling anybody over because they didn't stop for a first responder, but we are talking about the laws. And as we get there, as you're in Luke 2, allow me, stay there in Luke 2, allow me just this moment to take you to setting for Luke 2. It's Exodus 13. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me all the firstborn. So stay in Luke 2. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. Remember, 400 years, approximately 400 years, they're in slavery. They're brought out, and the Lord then says through Moses, Every time someone is first born, you've got to pay to redeem that person. Because that person... That animal belongs to me, says the Lord. So not, not me, but belongs to the Lord. Now, this is vitally important as you go into Luke 2. Because as you go into Luke 2, what you actually have 
is you have a family living up to the law that God had instructed centuries before, more than a millennia before. That's what's taking place. So Moses is teaching the people here in Exodus 13, when things fall apart, which they invariably do, uh, that's just kind of the way of the world, uh, as they fall apart, remember God's good works. So when they fall apart, what are they supposed to remember? Don't worry, it's in, it's in big text. This is a giveaway. Egypt. Remember Egypt. Remember I brought you out. Remember I'm the God that does stuff. How many times has someone asked, well, where is your God? Remind them of the things that God does. God has done many things. Unfortunately, as modern-day Christians living in the world, we're like, oh, well, the Jewish people celebrate the Passover. The Jewish people remember coming out of Egypt. Guess who else remembers those things? Yeah, I do, because it's my story. And who else remembers it? Six of you, eight, 10, 15. Good, good, good. Yeah, we're all together. A lot of you remember it because it is the story of God caring for creation. Yes, I know it was unique to a people group at that time, but it tells you about who God is, his care and his protection. Now, the second half of the reading, as you move forward in Exodus, gets a little bit odd because it starts discussing things you don't know. How many of you have ever sacrificed a pigeon? On purpose, yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, accidental car things, things that happen, you're like, oh no, what have I done? Uh, the first time I remember, you know, uh, you, you hit an animal and you, you look at your parents, you say, what have you done? You're like, did the squirrel make it? And they just look at you and they don't tell you, they just say, head nods. You're like, how did you know? They're like, that's the thump, son. That's, that's what that was. And you're like, oh, oh no. And you learn a valuable lesson. But that's not what's happening here. Instead, we have animals dying, and it's just this odd thing. Now, verse 11 to 15, uh, still in Exodus 13, and I'm not going to share it in its entirety. We, we've read it. talks about the ability to take a lamb, and then you would have to transfer if it's a donkey. You have to transfer because donkeys are what? Anyone know this? Uh, donkeys cannot be used in a sacrifice. Uh, so they actually are not clean and viable set there. So a donkey's not acceptable. It's actually unclean according to Leviticus 22.19. Donkeys can't be used, so you have to substitute in something else. Hence, a lamb comes in. A lamb is worthy for sacrifice. Now, some of you are like, what in the world? We're getting too heavy. This just seems too much like we're in what? We're in court. There's just too many rules, too many regulations. I don't like it. I like Christmas better because it's lighter. I know that story. I, I know that you know that story, but I think it's worthy for us to set here a time to understand what's happening. What Moses is writing is that you can take that spot, that firstborn, and you can, ready? Redeem it. The Hebrew word is goal, a redeemer, someone who can purchase back that slot. But someone has to do it. Stuff isn't for free. When's the last time anyone buy furniture in the last five years? Okay. Did you ever ask them to give it to you for free? Did you try that? They looked at you and did exactly what you just did to me. <laughs> free. And then they come up, they have the other things though. Well, it'll be free for 24 months. Or like right now, it's the great thing. It'll be free until 2020. And you're like, oh, really? Like, like a family member nudges you? Yeah, that's just like a year and a day. It's a year and a day. It's, it's coming. The payment's coming. Well, in this case, as we look in Exodus 13, we're taught who is it that can actually have this price? Who can pay this back? Now, it feels legalistic to start talking about animal sacrifices and other things because it's not your practice. None of you have probably been to a church that sacrifices animals. 
You've probably been to a church that maybe offered a blessing of animals at some point, or someone in your family talked about it. Oh, they were able to bring in, you know, a dog or cat, and they offered a blessing over it, or, you know, someone came. That, that, but there are a few Christian churches now who say, bring your dog or cat, it will redeem you. It's just foreign to our conversation. So when you step in Texas 13 and you step into Luke 2 and this idea of sacrifices, for a lot of us, you know what we do? We just we gloss over and, and we lose what's actually happening here. We lose that there's actually this following the rules. Luke 2, which I have many of you sitting there, Luke 2, 22 to 24. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses... They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. That is, they're bringing who? Jesus. So they bring Jesus up to Jerusalem. They bring him up. They're presenting him. Why? Because the law said so. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Exodus 13. They're following what Moses had said. They are being law-abiding citizens. So that, that ambulance that's coming up behind them, Mary and Joseph would have done what? They would have, they'd have pulled over because they are law-abiding people. They're doing everything that's necessary. Text continues. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Again, the Bible understood people were of different means. The reason for there being different animals you could sacrifice was if you could afford one, you should do that. If you couldn't afford it, you should do the other. But you have to do what? You have to do something. Well, you know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do anything, you know. Other people have to do it. Really? I mean, think about the, how that is in the church. Well, you know, I'm pushing a little on you here. Well, I volunteered last week. I can't help this week. So you volunteered last week, and it is impossible for you to assist someone this week. Now, some of you, please, I don't want you to like, oh, pastors, you know, Diane Post is probably like, what are you doing to my volunteers? You're killing them. No! I, I know. I, I'm just pointing out to you at times we've become so legalistic in what we do that we get this idea that everything is going to be fair. How many of you live in a fair world? Yeah, I don't either. But my world isn't fair. My world's filled with lots of people doing more than they probably need to and lots doing a whole lot less. That's kind of the way things are. And it is specifically what's happening in Luke 2. You have Mary and Joseph coming, offering everything the Lord had asked. They are law-abiding citizens. So what about you? Are you the best father you can be? When you look at your life, are you the best husband you can be? Have you been the kindest person to work with at work throughout your entire career? When you write a card to someone, do you actually write them a card or do you just write something? You know the difference. There's writing a card and then there's actually writing a card. And a great one for most sons, when's the last time you called your mom? Christmas, I'm good. I, I've checked off that, that category. I even sent her something. Okay. Has sloth ever grabbed you on more than one occasion? Holidays are great for that. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to do nothing. My wife and I, coming back uh, from seeing her family, drove past several uh, family members who have large farms uh, in Illinois. And just we're talking about what it means to be celebrate Christmas when you're on a farm. Well, I've got two and a half hours between having helped the cows this morning to when I have to help them again. We may now celebrate. 
All right, Christmas is over. I will now go back out into the field. And then there's us. Man, can you believe it? My boss only gave me three days off. This is terrible. Good grief. Do they know I have to rest? I mean, timing is everything, is it not? We now live in a world where we presume that we should get everything that we deserve. Luke 2 talks about something very different. What you actually deserve is, if you're the firstborn, God owns you, unless you're redeemed, unless you actually purchase that back and remind yourself that God cared for you, Exodus 13, that God actually was caring for you from the beginning of time. The fact that Jesus is born to Mary and Joseph has another angle. The angle is this. He is given parents who follow every bit of the law, which is somewhat astounding because at the time, as an infant, he couldn't do those things. Realize the perfect timing of being born in Bethlehem, being born in Judea, all those prophecies that we talked about on Christmas Eve being fulfilled is also he set just the right parents, parents who would do everything that Jesus needed to have done for him. And in the middle of the text, we have Simeon, uh, a text that many times is sung for us as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, Simeon who speaks of holding Christ in his hands before he can depart in peace. But at the conclusion, we're reminded of another thing. We're reminded of this, verse 39 to 40, and when they had performed everything, you catch this? When they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord. There are a few times in my own life that I can say I have done everything that the Lord asked. Don't get me wrong, I'm a sinner and I know it. But there are a few occasions where I can sit there and say, man, I was the best son, brother, neighbor, friend I could be for any period of longer than a few hours. <laughs> but here you have Mary and Joseph, or Scripture tells of them, when they had performed everything according to the law, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. You see, Jesus isn't just born at the right time, he's born to the right people. God had everything set out for him so that before he could provide for himself, he had people providing for him. Your parents likely were not named Mary and Joseph, am I right? You, maybe you got on one account, but you probably don't have Mary and Joseph being your parents. I'm not asking that your parents needed to be Mary and Joseph. Truth is, a lot of great people have parents who are nothing like Mary and Joseph at all. God does wonderful things with people whose experience is completely the opposite of what Mary and Joseph are. But it is very important for you to realize the child, God had everything set so that that child could live the perfect life for you. Truth is, the law isn't very kind to us. The law has a way of always telling you that you're doing something wrong. No one likes being called on the carpet. No one. No one likes being told that they're doing something wrong at all. Anyone get told they were doing something? You don't have to tell me what it was. Anyone get told they did something wrong at Christmas? Just in general. Yeah. Okay, a few more hands popping up. It normally happens anytime you get more than how many people in a room? Normally more than one. If it's just you in the room, it can happen. It's a little more awkward, and that's a different topic for a different sermon. Uh, but if you have more than one person, someone's going to tell you you did something wrong. And they may actually, this is the hardest part, they may actually have been, you ready? They may have been right. Doesn't mean you liked it. It's also possible they were wrong. I'm not trying to throw you all under on the count of what they were saying. It's realizing the law has a way of just telling us things we don't want to hear. 
my kid's new game in the car is reminding us of the speed limit. Like, this is their game. Now, they have no idea really to read what's happening on the odometer. It's just, hope you're going as fast as you can. Number changed. Hope you're going slower than you were. I mean, it's, you know, kind of funny things of just reading out the numbers. It's wonderful. But there are things you can learn in that. There are ways that you can understand what's happening. So as you walk through the Christmas season, what I want you to remember is this account from Luke 2 that you normally hear on Christmas Eve has the rest of the story. It's Jesus doing every single thing that you couldn't do yourself. Jesus went to the temple, just as Exodus 13 said, and he was offering, well, in this case, his parents are offering on his behalf everything that God asked. Jesus is a Jew among Jews. I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. I am redeemed. Put you, you put that, put that away. You see, when you understand that you have a law-abiding citizen in Jesus Christ who lived everything for you, the accusations will never, ever hit their target. They only hit their target when you allow them to. And the only way you'd allow them to is if you allow Jesus to slip away from you, to allow his righteousness to somehow be in the back of your mind and not in the forefront. You have the law-abiding person in Jesus Christ who's done everything. So when someone asks you in the face of trouble... Why is it that you're smiling? You can actually tell them, because I'm loved. And I am loved by the one who conquered death itself. And some of you are like, well, that got preachy awfully fast. Stop calling that preachy and start calling it reality. That actually is what God has done for you. As Christians at times, we're like, well, I don't want to tell them a sermon. Do it. Tell them a sermon. Because the truth is, without them knowing what God's done, they are already, you ready? They're going there to hell in a handbasket. That's troubling to me. But we've gotten very comfortable not expressing that. We've just expressed this whole, well, I'll just get them there on Christmas. And then it's your job, Pastor. Yeah, I did the best I could. But I also know who does all the heavy lifting in the church. Oh, you should know this by now. I've not done well. God, God does the heavy lifting. God does the motivating. God moves through the Holy Spirit. God works through his word. And we might just be so lucky that we have some great church members and pastors and volunteers and others that work alongside of him. But the heavy lifting's always been done by God. Who did the heavy lifting in Luke 2? God. Who did the heavy lifting going to the temple? God. God set everything at just the right moment at just the right time so that we might be able to say i'm a law-abiding citizen even though i have my doubts even though i have my questions as we walk in the coming years we start walking through every book of the bible get ready i hope it's fun for you i do when we start next week in Genesis, we're going to lay out some ground rules, how we read the Bible, what the Bible is actually saying, what its central messages are. And you know what those central messages are? And you're going to hear it two weeks in a row, but you need to hear it as we close this morning. God speaks in two major ways. He speaks in his law to show you how it is that he would have you live, and he speaks in his gospel to give you that greatest gift of all, eternal life. And we're going to walk through that balance, just as he did here in Luke 2. He spoke and said, here's the law, and you've got to live up to it. But when you can't, I'll do it for you. And then he speaks in his gospel and says, I've got you no matter what. Just don't ever let me go. And if you do, don't worry. 
I'm still holding on to you because I've made you mine in the waters of baptism and I feed you every time you come to that table because I am the Lord your God. I am the Alpha. I am the Omega. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior Jesus Christ every Sunday morning at 9.30 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.